Colossians, the third chapter, uh, and we're going to look at verse number one. Because, guys, we want to begin to think like Christ. We want to let the Bible be our God. I believe in the inerrancy of Holy Scripture. I believe the men wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And as the Holy Spirit gave them the, the, the inspiration, they wrote and they penned the canonization of the Scripture so that we have God's viewpoint on life. And so I don't want, I don't want, I don't want you listen, as a believer, I want, I want to know what God's word said, all right? So Colossians chapter number three, uh, we're going to begin our reading at verse number one, because we've been, we've been pulling on this for a while, and, and I want you to really, you know, get into what the message is trying to say to us. Uh, we talked about the fact that we have to have a commitment to change. Anything that's growing has to change. Right. If something is growing, it has to change. You know, um, when I was playing football over at Louisiana Tech, I weighed I was about five. I say five, ten, but, you know, I was about five, nine and a half and weighed about one hundred and ninety pounds. And since that thirty five years, since I like, thirty five years or so since I played football, at Louisiana Tech, I have grown. <laughs> Not in statue. But in width, <laughs> are you are you following? And growth always, if something is growing, it, it results in, in in change. And so I grew, and whereas I used to wear this size pants in the waist, now I'm wearing this size pants in the waist. So I'm trying to bring it back down. I may not get to 190, but I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm heading. I'm heading. <laughs> but but growth in any form results in some type of change, some type of transformation. I would not expect you uh, as a 12th grader to think like a kindergartner. Are you with me today? There should be a transformation in, 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 in how you think and how you view life. And I, as a pastor, would not expect you as a, as a, a believer who's been saved for 20 plus years, 20 plus years to still think like a spiritual baby, like the church at Corinth. Well, that was all types of spiritual debauchery going on because the people were not growing spiritually. So just like we grow in the natural, anything that grows in the natural will, 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 will result in some type of transformation in our spiritual walk. There should be some type of transformation in the way we do life. And that's what we're after because in the times that we're living in, guys, we need a church a body of believers who are standing strong on the word of God and are not being uh, indoctrinated by the cultural nuances of the day. But you say, I'm going to, for God I live and for God I die, and for his word, his word, it's going to be the preeminent source than which I guide my life by. Because the Bible says this, uh, you know, we, we should uh, follow the word of God and let the word of God be, be, be the, the forefront and the forerun of our decision making. OK, so we're going to set our minds today. OK, so we talked about we said, number one, if, if the, the change, change, the change process uh, uh, is a partnership between you and God. It's not you on your own, but you and God. When you come to Christ Jesus, amen, then the process begins. So we said, number one, the, it begins with a decision of faith, right? Y'all remember that? The process of change begins with a decision of faith. And we said God uses some tools to help boost us to toward change. Number one, he uses his word. Number two, he uses the Holy Spirit. And number three, he'll use circumstances. Because most people, everybody say most people, most people are hard-headed. Come on, look around. That person next to you got some hard-headedness in them. Most people are hard-headed. God would that we would just hear his word and be obedient. Because it's what's best for us. 
He would that we would hear his word and be obedient, and then we'd keep growing. But no, nah, we can't do that because, you know, I, I, I know a little bit more than my parents. I know, I know a little bit more than the preacher, and I'm going to do life my way. So then now he, he, he uses his Holy Spirit. He tries to tug on our heart, give us an unction on, in our inner man. He'll send somebody else by to kind of share a word, drop something on us to, to try to encourage us to change. But then still, a lot of us still won't listen. So thirdly, he has to do like he did with the children of Israel. God had to use circumstances to get them to change because most of us are hard-headed in our own little right, okay? So God will use those three things to get us where we need to be. So in this third chapter of Colossians, we're going to jump down and, and, and begin to talk about those three things we've been trying to get to for the last few weeks. And y'all have been bearing with me. Y'all have been a very patient audience as we matriculate through this lesson. And we talked about the six characteristics of the Christ-like mind. But today we're going to look at three stages in developing the mind of Christ because I want you to lead this sermon series thinking about developing the mind of Christ and thinking about how I think. What influences my thinking? What influences my actions on a day-to-day basis? Okay, I want you to think about that because I, I, I honestly believe that some of us don't realize that we're allowing the outward things, we're allowing the worldly things to influence our decision-making more so than the Word of God. And so if we're going to have the Christ-like mind, if we're going to lose our mind and gain the mind of Christ, we're going to have to begin to allow the word to take preeminence in our thinking and in our decision making. Correct? All right, so let's go. Colossians 3rd chapter, verse number 1. Let's go. Text says this. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Verse number 2, let's read. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you, die, for you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Let's go to the King James Version of Scripture. I, lo- I love the way the KJV reads in this particular passage of Scripture, okay? And, and, and Paul is the writer of this text as he writes to the saints in Colossae, and he begins to try to encourage them in their Christian walk. He says, if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Look at this next verse. It says what? Set your affection on things above, not on things on earth. Set your mind, set your attention on things above, not on things on earth. Verse 3 says this, uh, for you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Okay, so we're going to delve into the three stages in developing the mind of Christ. Now, guys, as born-again believers, how many of y'all are willing to admit that we face mental battles? Uh, mental battles that occur. Uh, And those mental battles tend to occur when the desires of our flesh clash with the desires of the spirit. Let me say it again. When the desires of our flesh clash with the desires of the spirit, there's a war going on. Okay, all right. I know you're saved. I know you're born again. If you die, you're going to heaven. But how many of y'all have some of those mental battles? where your flesh is saying one thing and the spirit of God is saying something else. And it's kind of like a tug of war. Should I go? Should I not go? Should I drink it? Should I not drink it? Should I smoke it? Should I not smoke it? Should I say it? Should I not say it? Battle in the mind. Okay. There's a battle. So that when that flesh and the spirit are battling, there's a, there's a war going on. 
And guys, I want you to know something. Christ intends to set us free from the dominion of that sin that's in our flesh, amen, that sin in our life that causes these mental battles to take place. Christ died to set us free from the dominion of sin. Now, that word dominion is a very interesting word, and I love to look words up to get to their root meanings because sometimes we'll say a word and just kind of glance over it, but dominion is a very prevalent and strong word. Let me, let me just read a few of the definitions of dominion. The word dominion means sovereign or supreme authority, the power of governing and controlling. All right. The power of governing and controlling. I like when Daniel, the fourth chapter, the Bible says the, 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 the dominion of the most high is an everlasting dominion. See, God desires rulership in all of our lives. Another definition of the word dominion is, is power to direct power to control, to use and dispose of at pleasure, right, the right of possession and use without being accountable. That's what dominion means. It also means a territory under government or under a region or under a country or under, or under a district. It also means uh, an order of angels. Angels. The Bible even says this, whether they be throngs or dominions or principalities or powers, those are different classifications in Colossians 1 that talks about angelic rank. Okay? And so demonic rank. So dominion means really, in a nutshell, it means to rule over, to have the authority to direct and to control. Now, there's a battle that's going on in all of us because even though we're born again, we still live in human flesh. Right? Everybody say, I got a flesh. Say, I got flesh. Come on. And the Bible says, no good thing dwelleth where? In saved, born again, tongue talker, a Bible marker. Uh, gospel singing, gospel praying Christian, but your flesh is still your flesh. All right. Can we have a, a truth and honest uh, time right now? Can we, can, will y'all be honest with me? We, this, is a, this is a participatory sermon, okay? Will y'all be honest with me? Since you've been saved this year, and I know you've been saved, how many of y'all born again believers? We're, uh, we're going toward the, the end of May. And as a born again believer in, in this year, 2021, how many of y'all have had some fleshy thoughts. Okay, anybody hands not raised, y'all move out from around them because lightning is getting ready to strike. Lightning is getting ready to strike. See, guys, what we got to realize is that, that there is a battle going on. We, 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 we're in this fleshy body, but we have been born anew. We're three-part beings, spirit, soul, and body. Spirit man is reborn. The soul realm has to be regenerated, renewed. And, 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 but the flesh is still the flesh. All right? Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. What's new? Not my feet. I still wear size 13. When I got saved, I was wearing a 13, and I'm still wearing a 13. Are you all with me today? So my physical stature doesn't change. But inwardly, I'm a new man in Christ Jesus. All right? So there's a battle that goes on. But Jesus Christ died to give us power, a dominion over sin's hold over us. We're no longer bound by sin. Now, guys, I'm going to tell you something. When we sin today, it's because we want to. If you're a born-again believer, the decision to sin is is, is a want to act. The devil can't make you do it. And, the old, and, and, and I know I date myself when, this, when I say this. The old Flip Wilson show uh, when he dressed like Geraldine. And I, yeah, that's, 
you know, the devil made me do it. The devil didn't make you do it. You did it because you were drawn away your own flesh, the lust of your own flesh. Okay? The devil can't make you. Now, he can, he can set the table, and he knows how to set it real well, but he can't make you eat. Are y'all with me today? So now, guys, all right, let, let's move on a little bit further. So when we look at this thing, dominion means to have authority control over. Genuine freedom can occur only where spiritual life exists. And life is not fully spiritual until it's fully free. Okay, let me say it again. Life is not fully spiritual until it is fully free. Don't ever forget that God is always working. God is always working to give us life and freedom through his son, Christ Jesus. Whom the son has set free is what? Free indeed. And when you learn how to walk in your freedom, when you learn how to allow the word of God to have a preeminent place in your heart, then you you can begin to overcome some of these things that have been dragging you down for years. See, your mind, listen, when we, when we get into this thing, we've got to understand that God wants to free us. The human mind tends to waver, guys. It's kind of like a ship that's tossed and driven on the, on the, on the stormy sea. Uh, our mind wavers, and there's so much that distracts us in this world. By God, this world is always vying for our attention. Y'all realize that, right? And so social media platforms, news, all, all, all this stuff, sports, everything is vying for your attention. Because what the devil wants to do is to get your mind off of things above and place it on things on the earth. Because as long as he can have you focusing on things on earth and forgetting about the things in heaven, then you won't be able to represent Christ in the earth realm very well. Is this making any sense? So distractions. Some of y'all would die if you lost this for a week. Some of y'all would just, it'd be just where's my phone? How many of y'all have left home, got halfway to work, and turned around and went back home to get your phone? Let me see some hands up in here. If you left your Bible, would you turn around and go back? I'm not saying this is evil. This this is just a tool. This, This tool can be used for good, for godliness, or it's a tool that can be a distraction. Some of y'all, I see you... uh, Going out to eat. And I, I had to learn this too. Listen, I'm, I'm talking about Doyle Adams. Doyle Adams has been delivered. Look at me, Doyle Adams has been delivered. How, how tempting is it when you get ready to go down sit, to eat lunch with your wife? How tempting is it to sit there and do this? Oh, did you see what Sarah posted? Oh, look at, look at what Danny said. Oh, I didn't know they were traveling to, uh, to, uh, to Brazil. We're sitting there getting ready to eat dinner, eat lunch, and the phone is taking your attention away from the time that you need to have with that person you're sitting across the table from. Everybody say, Lord, forgive me. Listen, time wasters, distractors, the enemy will use whatever, even though it may be something that can be used for good. Thank God for phones. Thank God for text messages. Thank God for live streaming. But but just just like it can be used to promote the gospel, it can be used to send out evil too. And what we got to realize, guys, as born-again believers, is that we got to set our minds. Amen? Set our minds. Because the world is constantly working to shape us to think like the world. There's a battle going on, okay? Single-mindedness means 
that you set your mind and your heart on seeking first God's kingdom. How many of y'all remember the, the passage that says in, in Matthew, the sixth chapter, verse number 33, Jesus says, seek ye first what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be what? Added unto you. Seeking first the kingdom. The kingdom of God is God, God's rulership. Because God saved us, not just to be our Savior, but he wants to be our Lord and his Savior. Lord implies rulership. I'm, I'm here to tell you now, God is not ruling and you're not operating on kingdom principles if you're not doing what God's word says. We can come to church. We can lift up holy hand. Hallelujah. We can bless the name of the Lord. But if our living doesn't line up with what we're reading and what we're studying, then we're not operating under the kingdom principles. The kingdom principle, in other words, our, our life in this earth realm should be based on following God's design and plan for our life. And so many of us as believers, if we're not careful, we'll, we'll, lose, we'll lose focus. We'll get distracted. It's easy to get distracted, guys. You can get distracted with good stuff. I'll tell you before, even as a pastor, guys, uh, I, I had to dial back and, and look at myself because, you know, you can get busy doing things for the Lord and not spending much time with the Lord. Anybody ever been there before? I mean, you, you're at the church every other day. You're doing stuff. You're running here. You're, you're serving over there. You're going on mission trip here. You're doing this and doing that. And you look up and you're like, when was the last time I really spent some time in prayer? When was the last time I really studied the scripture for myself to, to let God talk to me about me? And that's a dangerous place to be in because I, I'm going to say it again. Our doing for God should flow out of our being with God. Can y'all, I like the way that sounds. Can y'all repeat that when we say my doing for God? Oh, y'all got to do better than that. Come on. My doing for God should flow out my being with God. In other words, when I'm doing things for God, it's, it's spirit directed because I spent time with God. I've allowed his word and his Holy Spirit to, to infiltrate my mind and give me direction for my life. I've allowed him to speak to me about me because it's easy for us to look in the word of God and say, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah, look at Constance. Yeah, that scripture right there hits Constance right between the eyes. Mm-hmm. Did you hear Pastor Constance? <laughs> Moment of truth. How many of y'all have ever elbowed your spouse? When something came across from the pulpit, anybody? Else? How many of y'all ever gave the person down the aisle that look? Did you hear that? Stop that. When you're here listening to the word of God, you should be listening to see what is God saying to me about me and what direction is he trying to give me in life? So we become distracted. Guys, when we become distracted, we start looking at other people. Single-mindedness means I'm going I'm to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things. Things will be added to me. Things, if you look at the context of that scripture when Jesus was talking, he's talking about some of the things, you know, place to eat, clothes on your back. If you seek God first, those things will come. Seek him first, amen? All right, so, so, so as we determine to put his kingdom first, God will begin to give us the virtue of godly wisdom and the fruit of the spirit begin to operate in our lives. So let's go to, the, so if, if we're going to develop the mind of Christ, there are three stages. First thing we got to do is we got to set our mind. Everybody say, set your mind. Let's go to Philippians, the fourth chapter, verse number eight. This is the beginning stage. This is the will principle. I want y'all to listen to this real carefully, okay? Because, you know, one thing that we have to do if we're going to, 
if we're going to um, be uh, gospel purveyors of truth, if we're going to be ambassadors for Christ, we have to set our minds. Setting implies us having to do something other than just showing up to church. Now, guys, if we haven't learned anything throughout this global pandemic that we've been in, if we hadn't learned anything, we should have learned that the church is more than just a gathering place. Are you with me? The church, the body of Christ has to become more than just this group of people who come together on Sunday, have a great time, listen to some good music, some halfway decent preaching. <laughs> and then we go out of there and come back next week without any, without having interface with each other, without having taken what we heard and began to apply it in our lives. Um, that's, the, the church in America has become very complacent. Almost, almost, and I believe, this is in my, you don't have to take this. This is doleology, okay? This is doleology one-on-one. You don't have to take this. But I firmly believe that God either allowed or sent this pandemic to get the church to look at itself and start doing some self-reflection. There's a whole lot of things we changed around here because we had to do some self-examination. Are y'all with me? I was, we, we were having a meeting the other day about uh, doing some, some, some strategic plan about the hybrid church and how do we still take those things that we that we were utilizing during the pandemic and not just throw them away but still continue to use live streams still continue to use zoom for monday morning connect how many of y'all know we got 60 plus people on a monday morning at 6 a.m praying for the church now guys had i tried to get you up here at 6 a.m on, on, on a monday morning i may have had three of you show up but we got 60 of you 60 plus every monday morning praying and interceding for the church that's a tool we're going to keep using. How many of y'all know that's true? Amen. All right, so, so when we talk about the hybrid church, then how do we still connect with those folks who, thank God for your live stream folks who are watching us, how do we still connect those folks who are in other cities who still want to be in community with us and not lose them? So we're going to continue to use those tools. Amen. Are y'all following me? But, 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 but the reality is, guys, it, as we go through this thing, uh, this pandemic taught us that the church is more than just gathering on Sunday. How many people have you really prayed about and asked God, God, I want to be intentional today. God, allow me to have a conversation with somebody who does not know you. And God, that person at work that nobody likes to go lunch with, everybody talks about behind their back, but laugh in their face. Let me build a relationship with him. Let me, let me see what's really at the heart of their meanness and their, and, and their, and their, and their, 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 their fraught way of doing life. And, and, and let me, let me, let me down, let me build a relationship with them so I can understand what's hurting them that's causing them to respond that way. And I want to present you to them. So, Lord, I don't care how you do it, Lord. I'm just going to believe that you're going to give me the opportunity to minister to this person. And so now we begin to think about you know, when we were in the pandemic, we couldn't gather. Then now, how do we do church? The church is still the church because the church is not the building. It's the people in the body of Christ. Are y'all tracking are y'all track with me? So now, all of a sudden, we become even more outward focused because we can't come in here and just be inward focused. Think, oh, isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord? Yes, it's good to come together. But what do we do after we gather? And that's what God is interested in. The church in America has gotten complacent. And it's, it's been all about just gathering. And God says, I need y'all to start ministry. I need y'all to start sharing. I need y'all to start testifying. I need you to start loving on people who seem to be unlovable. I need you to start helping people who are in need of help. 
spiritually and physically. And I want you to, I want you to get out the four walls of the church. I want y'all to, I want y'all to develop authentic community. I want y'all to meet each other outside of Sunday morning. So you can encourage one another. So you can get close enough to where if you're going through something, I can sharpen you because you feel confident that you're close enough to me to tell me about your junk. How many of y'all like to hide your junk? Most of us do, right? I said, how many of y'all hide your junk? Oh, come on, come on. Let's be real. I know you're saved. I know you're going to heaven, but you got some junk that needs to come out. All of us have some stuff that God wants to purge out of us. And we need people in our life who are close enough to us to say, you know what, something ain't right. Dan, what's, what's going on, man? Tell me, tell me what's happening. You're not your usual self. I, don't, don't, don't tell me everything's okay because I know you. I've, been, I've been, been studying with you and praying with you for three years. Now, tell me what's going on, brother. And see, I need to have a close enough relationship with people like that where, where when I share what I'm sharing, what I'm struggling with, then you don't just run away from me because we got authentic community. We're in a relationship, okay? Can we keep moving? Now watch this. Let's get back here. So, so God, I, I believe God, my, my point is God has used this to get the church to evaluate. There's a lot of things that we've changed. For one thing, you know, guys, I said, I told the people, I said, do you realize that we start at 10 and we out by 1130? All right. How many of y'all remember the two and a half hour service? Come on, raise your hand. How many of y'all remember the two and a half hour service? Now, listen, it was good, but you know what? There, there's some things that we've been doing we could, we could just we could cut out. I remember this, guys, and, I'm a, I'm a, and I got to move. I'm going to say this. I remember I went to, a, I, went to a, I think we went to a marriage conference or something at Gateway Church, Robert Morris over in South Lake, Texas. And um, uh, they were, when it came to offering time, you know, I've, I've, I've been accustomed. How many of y'all grew up in church where they passed the offering plate or the basket or the bucket? <laughs> and people were bucket plump. And, 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 and they, they didn't take up an offer. They just said, you know, as you leave the, uh, the, the, the sanctuary, there, there are boxes, offering boxes. You can place your offering uh, in those containers as you leave the service. And I thought to myself, oh, that's not going to work at EBC. That's what I said to myself. I said, EBC, we got to pass the plate. And I don't know why. I guess I thought that way because that's where we always did it. How many of you know just because you always did something don't mean you ought to keep on doing something? To me, that's the definition of somebody who's going to remain stagnant. There are many churches today who, again, don't change the message. The message, Jesus Christ, him crucified, buried, and resurrected is the way to salvation. That will never change. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. He said it. I believe it. But the way we reach a new generation the way we reach a, a, a generation of people who grew up and knew not the Lord has to be different than the way we reached them in 1965 or 1975 or 1985 or 2005. Change the methods, but not the message. The love of Jesus Christ is still strong. The love of Christ is still able to transform a person's life. And so we got, we got the best message in the world, guys. So let's figure out how to do it more effectively. So I, I said, we can't do that. But, but, but pandemic says, oh, yeah, you, go, you can do something different. <laughs> pandemic said, you don't have to pass no basket. And guess what, guys? We haven't passed a basket in 16, 17 months, and the offerings have went up. 
because what I discover, like any, any pastor who, 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 who's, who's self-aware enough to know that, listen, it's not about people give because they, first of all, they understand giving. They've been taught on giving, and they love God, and they know that God has blessed them, so they turn around and want to be a blessing. And so they don't give because the basket is in front of them. They get shamed. I don't believe in shaming people into giving. You give the right way in the right, in, in the right manner with the right heart, and God will bless you, okay? Y'all with me? So God, God, there's a lot of new things, you know, 10, 10 to 11, 30 or so. Depends on how long I preach. <laughs> if you really want to be honest about it, it depends on how long I preach. So they, they give me a little more liberty because they, 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 20 minutes in, they get me up. All right? So I'm trying to do better. I'm, I'm, staying, I'm staying with my time. I got 22 minutes for all y'all are wondering. I got 22 minutes left. <laughs> all right? So can we, can we try to hit some of these points in that 22 minutes? All right. Say, Pastor, don't get distracted. All right, all right. So, so first thing is we got to set our mind. Look at Philippians, the fourth chapter, verse number eight. Setting your mind means that I have to choose what I'm going to focus on. And I, I'm going to show you in just a minute. All of us have the ability and the capacity to choose what we focus on. Right? How many of y'all have been focused on a person before? How many of y'all have been focused on a person before so much so uh, you too busy thinking about my baby and I ain't got time for nothing else? You know what? That can be, that's a true song. When you get your mind focused on a person, you'll forget about God. You'll forget about your assignment. You'll forget about everything. You'll tell your family, y'all are crazy. I know he's good. They saying he's no good, but but you say I know because you're so focused on him. Guys, I'm gonna tell you something. Jesus wants us to be focused on him. The Bible says, set your affection, set your mind on things where? And not on things on earth. Watch what he says. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. This is Paul writing to the saints of Philippi. He says, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of what? Praise, okay? Verse 9 for good measure, just for good measure. Keep keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. The Apostle Paul writing to this church, he says, keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then God, the God of peace will do what? Will be with you. Now, guys, you must set your mind. You must decide. You must choose. You must determine the focus of your mind. That's That's where you start in developing the mind of Christ. The opposite, uh, listen to me, the opposite of will, we're talking about the beginning stage is the will principle. The, the opposite of will is instincts or un, un, unwilled reaction. For animals, guys, decision-making is not a problem. They just, they, they react based off of instinct, okay? But with human beings, the will is that part of your mind over which you have control. The will is that part of your mind over which you have control. The will enables you to obey in spite of your feelings or your intuitions. Are y'all tracking with me? Often times, you know, how many of y'all have been in a situation where you, where you lost control of your emotions? You couldn't control your emotions. Any of y'all have just cried and just didn't know what you were crying about? How, how, how many of y'all know crying could be sadness 
or crying could be a sign of what happens. Guess what? If I walked out of this pulpit right now and pulled a checkbook out and, and, and wrote a check that I got from, that, from, from my trust account and I wrote you a check for $2 million, how many of y'all would start crying? Oh. It, wouldn't be, it, wouldn't be, it wouldn't be tears of sadness. It'd be, you'd be, you'd, it would just blow your mind to the point of, okay, so y'all, you wouldn't cry. I tell you, I would, I would cry. I would shout hallelujah. I would dance and, and I would thank God for, for, for blessing me to be able to be a blessing. But, but guys, listen, listen to me. Emotions sometimes, we, we can't control them. You know, they, 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 you know we, we can say, I'm not going to cry. I'm, I'm going to be calm. But then all of a sudden, we just lose it. Anybody ever been there before? All right. But our will is that part of the mind that we can control. The will enables you to obey in spite of your feelings. OK, uh, what you want to do, and every one of us got to do is take take our thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. Remember what Second Corinthians 10 and five says. Uh, uh, it, it says bring every thought into obedience to Christ. In other words, guys, because we live in this human flesh, we're going to have thoughts and the enemy is going to send thoughts and people will, sit, will say stuff to you and you hear and you evaluate those thoughts. The Bible says bring every thought into captivity unto the obedience of Christ. That means that as a born again believer, whenever a thought comes my way, I got to evaluate it. I got, I got, to, I got to say, well, okay, wait a minute. Now. All right, here it is. It says this. It says, go out and uh, do whatever, something crazy, whatever something crazy is. Whatever your crazy is, just think of your crazy right now. Have you, have you thought about anything crazy this year? This side ain't very honest. Someone go over here. <laughs> have you thought about anything crazy this year? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, right? So, so when that crazy thought comes, what we got to do is evaluate. Are y'all ready? Y'all ready to evaluate? So over here, so, so the crazy thought is coming, so now I got to evaluate it. I got to evaluate it. Does it line up with what I was taught in Bible study? Does it line up with what I was taught in Sunday school? Does it line up with what pastor taught us on Sunday morning? And he showed us uh, in the text, he, he, it was proper context. The, the, the scripture was properly exegeted so I can have hermeneutical application into the modern day culture of 2021. I know what the word says then and I know how it applies to today. So now that thought comes and that thought is in contrast to this word that I just read. So now I take this word and I say, word, what do you say? Word, what do you say? Pray for those who despitefully use you. Thought over here, get them back. Get them back. They hurt you bad. Get them back. Pray for those who despitefully use you. Get them back. Curse them out. <laughs> do we have any cursing Christians in the house? Say, forgive me, Jesus. Say, forgive me, Jesus. Say, there's enough words. In Webster Dictionary, I told you this last week, that you don't have to curse. You're smarter than that. Talk to yourself. I'm smarter than that. Here it comes. Another thought. It's coming my way. It's coming my way. Take that from the office. They got enough pins. Your children need some. Take it home. They're not going to miss it. Word, thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not steal. But it ain't going to hurt. People do it all the time. You're not people. You're God's chosen vessel. You're to walk in the righteousness. But, 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 but you don't understand. It's just a pen. It's a principle behind the pen. It's just a test. 
It's just a test. I want to see if I can trust you. But, but, but it's not a big deal. Yes, it is. See, guys, listen to me. When, when, when words come like that, thoughts are going to come. You can't stop birds from flying over your head, but you sure can stop them from building a nest. And there's some crazy stuff that'll come to your mind depending on what you've been watching, what you've been focusing on. So what are you going to do with it? Everybody say, set my mind. See, Christ, Christ, you know, you know, Christ repeatedly identified his will with that of his father. Go with me to John 12, chapter, verse number 27. John chapter 12, verse number 27. Giving God your will is the first step in having the mind of Christ. Here's why you got to give it to him. God won't take your will. God won't even make you get saved. Even though it's, it's, it's his will and his desire for you to be saved, he won't make you get saved. Because he made you a free moral agent. You have a will that you control. Are y'all with me? Listen to what Jesus says, you guys. He repeatedly identified his will with that of his father. Notice what he said. This is the last week of his life here on earth as he faced the cross. The text says, now, now my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? But this is the very reason why I came. Let's, look, let's read it. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? This, this is the, the, the human side of Christ talking. But this is the very reason why I came. Look at the next verse. Let's read. Father, bring glory to your name. Then a voice spoke from heaven saying, I've already brought glory to my name, and I will do so again. Jesus openly confessed that his emotions were one place, but his will was in another. Anybody been there before? This decision to let his will rule over his emotions or his feelings is also seen in Christ's uh, 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 plea in the Garden of Gethsemane. Let's go to Mark, the 14th chapter. Mark, chapter 14, verse number 36. Jesus was, always, Jesus was saying, I, I'm not going to do anything except what my father tells me to do. And that's what God is trying to get us as believers. To, first of all, you got to know what God's will is. God's will is his word. And here's, here's, here's the thing that's happening in the church in America today that's, that's, that's so disheartening. There are too many believers, and I think that people are born again, but they're still spiritual babies because they don't spend any word time. They don't, they don't spend any time in the word. The Bible says, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may do what? Grow thereby. And you can't grow without word. It's the spiritual milk of the word that helps us to grow. But there are too many believers who are not connecting with the discipleship training that's going on in the church. They don't have the individual prayer time. Uh, and, and so they feel like, I'm okay. You know, just let me come and, and enjoy the service, Pastor. Don't require too much of me. Don't ask me to serve on anything, Pastor. You know, I love you, but you know what? I, I got my life to do. I'm, I'm here to tell you, if you belong to God, God has a way of reaching you. He comes with his word. He comes with his spirit. And then he starts touching your circumstances. Because if you belong to him, he wants you to start looking up to him. If you belong to him and you spend too much time focusing on everything else, God said, okay, I got to touch circumstances. Because they, they didn't listen to Pastor Adam. They said, okay, yeah, I know that boy. I, I grew up with him. I graduated with him. I was with him at losing a tech. You know, I know him. That's dull. They used to call him little fella. I know that boy. And you never receive the word that's coming as it is a truth. The word of God coming. Word from message down through the man out to the people. Yeah. 
the, the, there were some people uh, in, in Berea that, that were very astute people. And the Bible says that they, 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 they searched the scripture daily to see whether or not what the apostles told them was actually true. And there was another group that, that received the word, not as it was the word of man, but it was as is the word of God coming through a man. Okay? Look at what the text says here. Here's Jesus now facing the most excruciating decision and time of his life here in the earth realm. And the Bible says, he says, Abba, Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Listen to what he says here, guys. Jesus says, in this time, basically what he's saying is, he knew what his assignment was. He, 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 he learned obedience to the things that he suffered, okay? We're going to talk about that in just a second. But listen to what is, what's happening here. Jesus knew what his assignment was, but, 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 but he, as, as he agonized over the decision, the human side of him was not looking forward to being separated from the Father. Because sin separates us from the Father. Are y'all tracking with me? But he was on assignment. Jesus, who knew no sin, took on our sins. And because had he not taken on our sins, there's no way he could have died. Why? Because the Bible says the wages of sin is death. If there's no sin, there's no death. Jesus didn't, Jesus didn't sin himself, but he took on our sins. And by taking on our sins, death was able to, to transpire. He laid down his life by taking on our sins. He could have called 10,000 angels and wiped the whole, whole thing. I just, just blew everything up. But he was on assignment. He was on mission. He says, please take this cup of suffering away from me, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Jesus was successful in completing his mission because he set his will from the beginning. Jesus' mind was given to God. Jesus set his mind on things above. Only the will can choose beyond feelings. Now, let, let, me, let me clue you all in. Let me help you a little bit right now, okay? How many of y'all can think of uh, certain temptations that seem to keep tripping you up? <clears throat> How many of y'all can think of certain temptations that sort of seem to keep tripping you up, whether it's something that you commit or something that you omit? Y'all want me to start calling some stuff? Okay. I'll start calling because y'all, y'all, play, y'all trying to play me. Y'all, y'all looking at me like <laughs> gossip. Have you heard? You heard about Gary? What happened on that job with Gary? You heard about Tony? Mm, now I ain't one to gossip though, but <laughs> how many gossip? How many failed to capture impure thoughts? Lying. Christians do lie, right? Otherwise, Paul wouldn't have wrote, lie not one to another. As Paul was writing many of his letters, he told, he told the, the saints that he wrote to, he said, don't lie. Why would he even have to say that? Because Christians lie. Pastor, I would be there, but I, ca- I can't make it this time. Why not? Well, something came up. What? See, if I start pressing you like that. Sometimes I, sometimes I know you're lying, I just let you go and lie and say, Lord, forgive them. But you know, Christians will lie at the drop of a hat. So that's, that's, that's something we got to watch. Fornication, sexual immorality, running rampant. <clears throat> I 
whatever it is, I'm here to tell you, you can set your mind on things above. Your will, you can choose to set your mind and your will toward God. And here's what you got to do. You got to do it before the temptation comes. See, the problem that many of us have is we wait till we get in the middle of the temptation and then try to conjure up some, 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 uh, some willpower. Mm, I ain't going to do it. Mm, I'm not going to look. I'm not going to look. I'm not going to look. Don't wait till you get in the middle of the temptation. Make up your mind ahead of time, in your prayer time, in your study time, in your focus time. Say, this, when this happens, this is what I'm going to do. And you already have that mind made up, your will already directed on things above before you ever get to the temptation. Because oftentimes, guys, if we wait till we get in the middle of it, it's a little bit too late. Because our flesh starts talking. Any of y'all flesh you ever talked to you before? Let me see a hand go up. Anybody flesh ever talk to you? Say this. Do this. Don't do this. Don't say this. So the will is what we control. So we got to set, set, set our mind. Everybody say set your mind. The next thing we go do is we're talking about renewing your mind. Renew your mind. And, and, and because this, this I, I want to read this first passage And I'm going to pick back up on next week with renewing your mind. Your mind has to be set first before it's renewed. Okay? Y'all with me? Let's go to Romans 12. This is a very familiar passage of Scripture. But I got to read it to you. And uh, we're going to pick back up on next week with this. Okay? We all allow me to do that. Do I have that liberty? Are you coming back next week if you you can? Okay. Thank you. If you... you, uh, if you live here, come on back. <laughs> or watch us via live stream. Thank God for our live stream audience. Bless you guys uh, for being with us. Uh, so renewing your mind. This is the growing stage. So the first was the beginning stage, the will principle. All of us have a will, and our will we control. God won't touch your will because if God were to do that, he would, he would violate the very essence in which he made us. We are free moral agents. God gives us the freedom to choose. But he'll set the table for you. He'll set it for you. All right, text says this. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. This is truly the way to worship him. That last sentence, guys, every time I read it, it jumps off the page at me because we've always taught the way to worship him is come and sing Zion songs, lift up holy hands, hallelujah, glory to God. I'm worshiping him today. That's not really worship. See, worship is a lifestyle. You worship God by giving your life to him, by honoring him in the decision-making that you do on an everyday basis. So look at, what he, look at what he says. He says, and dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. What is them? Your bodies, all of our bodies, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. What is truly the way to worship him? To give your bodies to him as a living sacrifice. Look at verse 2. Watch verse 2. Come on. Let's go with it. It says this. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you 
into a new person. How? By changing the way you think. And that's what I'm after. I want you to lose your mind and gain the mind of Christ. When we start thinking like Christ, then our behavior will change. Which we keep trying to change people's behavior, but their minds haven't been changed. And if your mind hadn't been renewed with the word of God, then you'll continue to do the things that, you, that your flesh has always done. Don't copy the behavior and customize the word, but let God transform you to a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing, and it's perfect, guys. As Christians, you know, we live in a constant state of renewal. And after you give your will to God, you must continue to allow your mind to be changed or to be transformed by a by a renewing process. And so discipleship training, guys, one of the reasons why I harping on that so so strongly is is that this, the discipleship training process is the renewal process. It keeps our minds have to constantly be renewed because we're getting stuff from the world. We've been bombarded with stuff, you know, and guys, listen to look at look at me now. Can we be real? Don't believe everything you see on and read on social media. Quit bringing me stuff, some outlandish conspiracy theory that you didn't trace the source of the, of the article, and, and, and we take off with stuff because we saw somebody say it on Facebook. Whoop the do. Come on, we, we're smarter than that. Let the word of God be the guiding principle. Let, 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 let word dictate, determine our viewpoint for life. And we're going to pick back up on next week. We're renewing your mind. It's the growing stage. It's the river principle. We'll talk about that on next week. Because God needs the church to be active and alive in this world today. Y'all with me? He needs the church to be active and alive in this world today. He wants us to show the world what unity looks like. Because the world ain't going to get it until the church gets it. I told you all this before, and I'm, I keep harping on that. God sent his son, Jesus, to bring Jew and Gentile together in one body. And unity has to start at the church first. And when the world sees the church, they will say, man, what's going on over there? Those folks know how to do life together. And they're not tearing each other down. They're building each other up. And they're, 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 they're giving us a message of love and a message of hope. What is it that they have? Let's go investigate. And when they go investigate, we get a chance to tell them about the hope that lies within us. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you and praise you.